This call may be recorded or transcribed. Morning, Robbie. Morning, Ernie. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Having the time of my life. Sorry, that was is there, a conference call trying to call any, me. Is there any sarcasm in that, or is that... Uh... No, I'm, I'm literally having the time of my life. It is... You know, the last spring was kind of a season of breakdowns with all these things, uh, you know, kind of stressing and going wrong. And uh-huh. this this week, this month definitely feels like the breakthrough, uh, you know, saying that like this feels like the breakdown that precedes the breakthrough. Okay. And this definitely feels like, um, you know, a season of breakthroughs. Oh, nice. So the, uh, anyway. Many things that I want to share with you, but I want to catch up on what's happening with you um, and the uh, one exceptional marriage project you're working on. Uh-huh. Opportunity you were working through. What's happening with that? Yeah. Well, um, I've re- read through and listened through more of their material and continue to find that uh, inspiring and helpful. I. Uh, as uh, we discussed with Drew, I wrote out uh, things. I took time yesterday to uh, write out things I appreciate about each member of my family, and I'm um, planning to review that um, just before I head home each day. Um, and uh, yesterday evening felt more relaxed and comfortable. And I don't know whether there was a connection with having done that earlier in the day, but. Um, uh, out of John Eldridge's um, resilience training module, I've uh, been uh, reflecting on that Ephesians 3, 15 to 19 passage that talks about us being rooted and grounded in love and actually uh, kneeling, as Paul says, I kneel, for this reason I kneel before the Father, uh, kneeling and praying that for my household um, to see and experience how great and high and wide and deep God's love is and to be rooted and grounded in that love. So um, those are two things yesterday that I've uh, uh, tackled and then uh, just continuing to pray and reflect on how to uh, improve communication toward connection with Jackie. Mm. Uh, so those are the, that, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's I think that was worth- one of the um, open items last time was this question of whether to engage Jackie directly and or invite her to participate in this process with you. Yeah, I think the uh there are parts of the one extraordinary marriage emphasis that uh I feel like she's probably not ready to uh uh explore directly, but uh you know, I might even be wrong on that. But um is getting to a place where we're discussing expectations and uh, hopes and dreams and disappointments openly, uh, hmm. I think would be a helpful uh, thing. So. Okay, so you're saying that you uh, think it would be helpful if you were able to have those discussions? Uh, well, so the, the Extraordinary Marriage talks about six pillars of intimacy and uh, their turnaround in marriage came from emphasizing or focusing on the sexual connection uh, and uh, intercourse. And I don't think that uh, 
that's a conversation that I want to start with or lead with with Jackie. Yeah. So I'm I'm distilling the other five as uh, things to work on for now, and then leaving that for a later conversation. Okay. So you're working towards trying to find a way to frame those five as a uh, invitation. Or yeah, I, I'm still you know considering and praying about whether to. Uh, request or whether to simply start communicating in different ways or whether to invite her to explore a different pattern different patterns of communication with me and uh not clear on which is which approach i want to take yet one is demonstrating the you know talking about how we might change yeah Okay, good. Sounds like a really good process. Sounds like the, you know, I think this, um, the, the bundle verse I was looking at this morning, uh, was, uh, Psalm 37.4 about, uh, take, and the, the translation I was settled on was, take delight in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Uh huh. And I think part of that was kind of this, um, what you're talking about is, um, if I may paraphrase, is, is coming from a place of joy and gratitude rather than need and fixing. Right. Yeah. That's part of it. Um, I've also, in listening to Eldridge stuff, been thinking about the parallels between the union we're to have with Christ and the mm. one flesh the one fleshness that we're to have with our spouse that God designed us for. Um, not exactly sure where that thought leads me, except um, I remember when we got married, Dr. Winter um, shared some thoughts he received from his mother about marriage, that uh, it can, can be like a garden with uh, different uh, sections or like a walled garden where you can keep finding new and more wonderful places uh, within the garden and yet how many people experience uh, a drift after marriage toward the um, well, what one extraordinary marriage calls the roommate syndrome and yeah. uh, uh, Gottman and others suggest that half of marriage is failure fail and another half or half of what's left simply become roommate situations and uh, yeah. the difference between what God intends and what we often experience and thinking also about how I can serve um, a process of processing this for others who are in a similar situation. But I'm maybe starting a, a Zoom chat group you know, or discussion where we uh, explore some of these things. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you shared that. It reminded me of a thought I had a a, a while ago when uh, this issue of you know I, I think as you know demonstration is is, is a big deal for me and right. um, I guess two things I, I, I one one was when uh, with my kids I thought about uh, I was doing this study on spiritual formation. And the the big idea that came to me was that 
to be a child of God is sort of to be in a state of perpetual adolescence in that we're always sort of unfinished trying to figure out who we are in Christ in deeper and deeper, deeper levels. There's a certain uh, vulnerability and unformedness that is actually healthy for continued spiritual growth, right? There's a way of adulting, thinking that we're mature, that is actually counterproductive, uh-huh. right? Because we get stuck on an identity and so forth. And so the, and the exciting thing about that for me is that, ah, this is good because if I am going through adolescence in real time with God, then I have empathy and grace, or I am gaining grace to help my son work through adolescence and, you know, then say my daughter. Right. And so it becomes something where it's like, hey, follow me as I'm following Jesus, as opposed to, oh, I've already done this successfully. Let me tell you to do what I did. All right. All right. Right. And similarly, when you were talking about relating to Christ, um, uh, about union with Christ, I was thinking, uh, it made me think about how, you know, there are things that, you know, occasionally frustrate me in my marriage (laughs) and Uh things that I wish my wife would do differently. And then I realized, oh, rather than me trying to tell her to do certain things, I can practice that in my, is it, and, and what I've often discovered is the things that bother me most in my relationship with my wife are precisely the things where I struggle in my relationship with Christ. Uh-huh. And so as I grow in relating to Christ in the ways that I wish my wife would relate to me, uh, one right. sort of speaks health into that portion of my soul that was judging without grace. Um, and two, it also, um, I guess the word is appropriates grace. It, uh-huh. it brings grace uh, and freedom to her. And so this is kind of the, the big idea I've been playing with the last couple of months, right, is that the solution to the world's problems is grace through the cross. And the more I'm focused on, you know, connecting to God in the right way, that spills over into how I relate to myself and others. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this may be a related thought I had this morning that uh, the, the confidence I have in my own ability um, cuts me off from access to God's supernatural assistance uh, and things where my my sense of ability exceeds my actual ability. Yeah, Ooh, that's powerful. Yeah, my uh, anyway that that kind of summarizes a lot of my thinking or, or recognition this last uh, six months or whatever that uh yeah no i like that that's really good you want to repeat that again just to let that sink in uh i could try that uh my sense of my own ability uh cuts me off from uh receiving or relying on god's supernatural ability 
and uh, guidance, um, mm. particularly when my sense of my ability exceeds what, uh, uh, like in relationships, I have felt like I was pretty good at relating to people. And I'm now uh, much more aware that I'm not and I need help in that. Mm-hmm. But when I think when I think I'm good at it, I don't uh, uh, I don't I'm not open to receiving or I'm not um, intentional about receiving God's assistance and grace. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know if this is the right word, but I had a hashtag for a, a similar uh, experience uh, that I called toxic rightness. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, is that like being convinced you're right is a useful thing in a whole bunch of contexts, but, you know, specifically when it comes to our relationship with God, uh, being convinced of our own rightness is toxic. Yeah. I don't know if that resonates with you or not, but that what it, the closest label I have for that emotional insight. Yeah. I'm most conscious of how it's toxic for my family relationships. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, in small doses, it doesn't seem too bad when you encounter somebody occasionally. Um, but in a day-to-day, uh, daily kind of environment, it uh, seems to build up. Uh, yeah, dangerous. that's why I love the metaphor of toxicity, right? Because, like, in small doses... Poisons are uh, stimulants, right? right? They are things that, you know, you know, like, like alcohol, right? It's a lubricant. It, you know, the fact that you believe you have something of value to contribute to your family helps you engage, right? right. But, you know, uh, but that's the thing, right, is that it is still toxic, and if you habituate to it, then it, the doses increase, and then you, you know, deposit it in others, it definitely... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Badly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, curious how your conversation with Ross went, but uh, I really know it didn't happen. We're... Actually, we've been playing phone tag. Oh. oh, okay. So waiting until God opens that door, but. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I struggle a little bit with feeling like I have. Uh, suggestions to offer that could be helpful, but um, feeling um, encouraged by you and others not to be so swift at offering solutions. Uh, (laughs) You mean to Ross? Well, to anybody. I have another from Caltech. I got um, uh, the breast cancer has resurfaced after 14 years with metastasized Mm. in stage four. Wow. Yep. And yeah. You know, I I want to I want to help, but often people in that condition are overwhelmed with people wanting to help who are probably closer than I am, uh, may or may not have access to the same things. But yeah. On the other hand, this is yeah. On the other hand, when our son was born. The most helpful thing we received was just from one friend who, uh, out of, you know, hundreds who expressed that they were praying for us, 
uh, and various things that were suggested. There was one in particular that uh, that changed the course of our lives and was very helpful. So. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Uh, yeah, well, I think this might be a good segue if uh, you guys to talk about kind of what God's doing. On the side. Oh, yeah, you broke up a little bit there, but a uh, good segue to what? Sorry, audio affair. Okay, well, are we still in a dead zone? Just do one, two, three. Uh, it's a little warbled, but I can I could tell what you were uh, saying there. Um. Yeah, I couldn't catch what the last thing you said was. Testing one, two, three. Okay, that sounds good. Can you hear okay. me? Okay. Yeah, I think so. A little bit of. That broke up again, but um, you were talking about segueing to something, but now I can't Testing hear you. One, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Okay. I could hear what testing one, two, three the second time. Yeah. Now nothing. I didn't come back. I uh, heard come back. I'm going to drop off and come back. Okay, got it. That helps. Hello? I'm still here. Okay, sounds better now. Okay. So you talked about segueing to something after we talked about Rob. Yeah, well, yeah. the title of, this call, of the, the call I sent was Unfixable. Ah. Um, and so, and I think it's partly to like wrestle with this very issue because like you, you know, I was trained at Caltech. And therefore, a big part of our identity is our ability to fix things and solve problems. Right. And just trying to um, wrestle with that. Uh-huh. Because, you know, it is true that there are many problems in this world. And it is um, often helpful to fix them. Right. 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 And you know, but the um, so it, it, um, so I guess we already kind of destroyed the thread of conversation with all the connection issues. But if I may, I want to kind of walk through kind of what I've been uh, learning and discovering uh, along those lines. Yeah. Before you do that, I just want to say I I feel much more. Uh, relational in this uh, conversation than past ones where we've jumped directly into it seemed like uh, what you were thinking and theories mm. that um, I wasn't relating to as deeply. Uh, so yeah, I, I think we've done, for me, we've, this has been a good conversation. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, all right, so the, the, the first exciting thing 
was that our church is doing a little renovation. So we ended up for Sunday, we did brunch at the pastor's house. And he mentioned that he wanted to do like small group discussions at the table to try to help people connect better. And I said, oh, I have been obsessing over small group discussions for the last, you know, three years or so. And I have some ideas. I would love to get together with you at lunch and talk about it. And one reason or another lunch didn't happen. So on Thursday, I said, well, I could just send him some of my notes. I'm going to look at it. Maybe we could talk about it. So I prayed about it and felt like, okay, yeah, I did feel a, because, you know, I like, like to your point, like I feel this urge to help people, right. but I'm never sure if this is, um, and I think maybe the, the way that I try to think about this is, um, I don't know if this is the right time uh -huh. to help this person. Right? Like, right. I've been you know, kind of concerned about my pastor who's been like going through a really hard time the last few months. And I've been uh -huh. wanting to like say something encouraging, but I kind of felt a check in my spirit saying, you know, he has to go through this valley of the shadow of the death by himself. Mm -hmm. I can't, I shouldn't short circuit that learning for him by um, trying to make it easier. Right. And so I've been kind of, you know, holding that tension for a while. And then there's also the, you know, I have a lot of ego invested in these solutions. Right. Right. And so, you know, is this something that is self-promoting or sort of self-validating uh, mm -hmm. is the second thing. And then the third thing is this this idea, I know, this Neil Stevenson novel I've been reading, uh, which is that, um, we've talked about this before, is that ideas have this sort of entropic weight, right? Like it's one thing to say, um, you know, oh, the stoplight has turned green, it was red, right? That mm -hmm. is just sort of a single bit of information in a well-defined context that doesn't change. It's a different right. thing to say, for example, um, let me pick one that's um, uh, more neutral than some that spring to mind, but to say that, uh, oh, like what I'm doing now is, is to say like, um, Oh, this is actually the talk I had this afternoon is to say, like, um, the entire way our industry is solving this problem is wrong. And all the experts have been, like, chasing dead ends for decades. And right. so, like, and so like, let me choose physics because that's a little bit less. Is that, like, you know, uh, string theory was the big thing when I was at Caltech. Uh -huh. And everyone was talking about string theory and supersymmetry. And everyone just uh -huh. assumed that these things were true. Like supersymmetry, actually, is probably a good one. Is that uh, in physics there's this theory called supersymmetry, which in the 90s when I was in graduate school, everyone just assumed that it was true. And uh, because it was mathematically beautiful, and then in the next decade or so they would build experiments and everyone would and it would like validate on it. It was just sort of a given. And then, you know, the you know, when they finally did the experiments in like 2005 or whatever, like it falsified all of our current theories of supersymmetry. Uh. And, you know, and that caused sort of a, a theoretical crisis. Uh -huh. And it's like, if I had tried to say anything in the 1990s, right. it would have been like, you know, like, hey, let's consider this alternate model for doing it. It's like, it was like, a, it was an unaskable question because to accept that this idea was worth uh, considering 
would be to accept the possibility that this, because like they started with supersymmetry as an assumption, and then they built all these other theories on top of it. Right. And if I started poking holes at that, it's not just the theory itself, but a whole worldview of how nature works. And so there's a lot of stuff before it, you know, prior assumptions that if this is false, then all those assumptions are false. And there's also right. a lot of logical consequences of things built on top of it. That and like the entropic weight of, of that one question would have been massively destabilizing to people's mental models of reality and virtue and everything else. And right. and, and that's something that I've been um, trying to become more cognizant of. Uh-huh. You know, is that just sharing one fact, I think of it as just one fact, but it might actually, uh, and in fact, frankly, usually is these days, it's like it's destabilizing to people's entire sense of self. And right. so, um, so that, that's why I've been trying to be more cautious about these things. Uh, so anyway, but uh, the punchline is that so I shared this email, I sent this email, this Google Talk from one of my peer mentoring sessions that I did with MIT to my pastor, and I was hoping he'd reply, but he never got back to me. Um, so I was a little disappointed, but I said, okay, you know, I need to just like let this go, and you know, maybe we'll pick it up some other time. So I get there on Sunday morning, and I discover there's this big pile of, of printouts. <laughs> That he has decided to he basically took my Google Doc and tweaked it a bit, and is, was using that as the small group discussion template for Sunday morning uh, brunch. And we had like you know 20 people there, so we had like three or four tables of people doing this. And then he and I ended up at the same table. So basically, uh-huh. I got to walk him through the whole DBJ process on a Sunday morning. Uh-huh. And like the best part was is because he and I didn't discuss it. He uh-huh. had taken ownership of, like, coming up with the tweaks in the format. He, like, he, he took ownership of it. He, like, chose a different passage, and then he, you know, changed the questions to be relevant to what he was doing. And right. then, uh, but then he let me kind of read the discussion and show him how, you know, we do it with the pitching and the journaling and the timing. Um, right. And then, you know, we had a moment where somebody like kind of just couldn't answer one of those questions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I said, I called it out as a moment and then somebody else sort of popped up and said, oh, I got it. I can pray for them right now, I, uh, you know? And right. um, so like all these different things happened that, Beautiful. Uh, so the, like the small act of faithfulness and doing that thing, you know, had a huge impact. But it was right. especially because I had let go of all that other stuff, uh-huh. right? The need, to, you know, that God had room to do this other things that I hadn't even considered that right. we would just sort of like appropriate this and run with it. Um, and yeah. so there are a couple of really powerful things that came out of that. Um, one is that, you know, he was sharing how that phrase in Galatians about what the law is a guardian. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's something that he had come, had come up before. And I think it really touches on a whole bunch of issues uh, about you know, how we view pastors and how we view Christianity even you know, through the lens of the law and guardian rather than through the lens of gospel and the cross. Um, Uh But for me, the really interesting thing was that when we do the sexual research, what does God want to make you do in your life that we've got from Cowboy Tim? 
Um, God said to me, stop trying to fix people. Right. Stop thinking that I am trying to fix you. So that was the first part. And that was very uh, profound for me. Right, so you know, I, missed, you, missed a, I missed a key word. Start thinking that he's trying to fix you. Stop. Stop. stop okay, thinking. so stop. Right. Stop in both cases. Yeah, because yeah, that's a fascinating insight. Because, like, you know, the fact about husbands trying to solve their wives' problems is kind of a running gag, right? Yeah, yeah, like, right. Every female comedian has a story about this, <laughs> or every married yeah. female comedian has a story about this. Husbands trying to fix things. But I never connected that to the idea that, oh, maybe the reason I do that is because I think God needs to fix me, or that's the way I feel like God relates to me. He sees all these uh-huh. problems that I, I have, and he wants to fix them. Ah, uh, okay. Got it. You know, and so that was the first kind of, um, uh, you know, profound shift in thinking yep. is that... Uh, you know, my whole paradigm for how I relate to God and other people is, is flawed. Uh, yeah. and, but, but the solution is not to try and fix it. Uh-huh. Uh, the solution is to, is like that whole paradigm of fixing is the thing that is the, um, the stumbling block. Right. right. The, the, the mindset of uh, uh, schema, that's the word psychologists use. The schema that sees the world in terms of problems and fixes is itself the problem. Uh, uh-huh. um, and so, and so the, but the second point was uh, instead experience and share um, my deep fatherly acceptance of you. Uh-huh. And that was, and to me, the most interesting part of that phrase was fatherly. There is a thing of motherly acceptance, right? Right. Which is like, because you are mine, uh, you know, I will love you regardless of what you do. Uh Right? Even if you are not a failure, I will still love you kind of a thing. But the deep fatherly acceptance is different than that. And I'm uh-huh. still kind of unpacking that, but I think part of it is that um, I think it's the uh, sort of you've got this, I've got you. It's like uh-huh. I'm not worried or concerned about what's going to happen because a I believe in you. Like yeah. I, 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 I it's, it's no longer a doubt. You are already complete and perfectly equipped for the thing that I have called you to do uh-huh. uh, on the one hand. And secondly, that like I am here for you and with you yeah. so that if there is anything that you lack, I will be here to provide it. As uh-huh. opposed to the way I get with my own kids and frankly my wife sometimes is like, ooh, I feel like they're about to fail. But I don't know if I can handle that. Therefore, I need to fix them so they don't fail. Uh-huh. Because if they fail, then I fail. Yeah. I don't want to face that possibility. Yeah. 
so the the pressure to rescue um from mm. a feared uh, um outcome or something what i'm hearing yeah yeah is that that the um that underlying all of this is sort of a fear of being put to shame uh-huh. right is that i is that it is a uh, reaction reaction to a negative right is kind of the flaw in the schema uh-huh. and like i said you know it is uh you know uh you know that habit that mindset has its value but it's toxic. Right. yeah it uh, uh i th- i think i've had a similar uh with using the being responsible to try and shape outcomes to um feeling responsible to trust god in his timing to uh bring forth the outcomes he thinks are important and acknowledging mm-hmm. that i uh, uh there's a term uh i've forgotten that uh, exactly but something like sub uh, sub micro optimization where you focus on optimizing one thing that is mm. such a that it 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 distorts the whole situation and counterproductive suboptimal micro optimization something like that uh yeah i heard i heard it in Focal, yeah of, if you're if you're driving and the engine starts to overheat and you solve the problem by turning on the heater to take extra heat off the engine on a hot day <laughs> with your pregnant wife in the car and uh she's suffering beyond uh, what she, her capacity that's uh not a you know uh, you may be yeah. you may you may get to your destination but you may be creating yeah. worse problems in the process so. Yeah, I think sometimes it's like locally optimal, globally maladaptive. Right. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Right. I think, well, the little bit that I can see in any given situation, if I have the humility to perceive that I don't see everything God sees and that I don't understand all that he's up to, uh, that's, that's the gateway then for me to say, uh, yield and say, you know, God, I give this situation to you and I'm open to whatever you want me to do, but I'm not going to try and control it or fix it or determine the outcomes. I'll trust you to do that. So I've been yeah, practicing. It's interesting. Yeah, no, that's good. So I, I, w- I would say the same thing, except I was going to use the word self-awareness instead of humility. Uh-huh. Yeah. The okay. self-awareness that, oh, th- this part that I see, because I see it, it gives me a feeling of control. So I want that to be the real problem. Yeah. And uh, being self-aware enough about my motivations and my insecurities that I can say, ah, this is precisely the thing I must not fix because it is my drug. And the willingness to live in the tension of not fixing it rather than Mm. trying to solve my tension by taking action. Yeah. Yeah. That was the phrase from my therapist, uh, whom I had coffee with, which is that um, grace is unmirrored anxiety. Right. 
like when there's a situation with a problem and people are stressed, the ability to just hold that tension and not react to their anxiety uh, by feeling yep. anxiety and then taking steps to resolve my anxiety that makes the problem worse. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it sounds to me like we're both moving in a parallel, similar direction in our uh, sense of leading and uh, mm -hmm. that time will reveal more uh, for us and, and uh, hopefully bring some healing in our relationships. And maybe my, uh, my um, hope and prayer is to get to the place where our relationship is better than we're when we married and continuing to deepen. Uh, yeah. Well, that seems like it's a long way off. I think, uh, I'm trusting that God can bring that about in a time frame that's significantly less than the time it's taken to get to where we are now. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. It's interesting. Actually, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, is I was at this conference with my wife, uh, one of these charismatic uh -huh. worship night things, and the, the pastor was sharing sort of a story about his early days of prophetic ministry and how he was at a conference in England and he called out somebody there and gave them a word and it turned out to be the, the son of a person that he had ministered to the week before. Anyway, but while he was giving that anecdote, he goes like, it was just like if I reached out to Ernie over here and said, you know, uh, you know uh, God has seen your discouragement and he wants to renew your marriage. And he right. like just sort of put that in there, sort of a throwaway line. Yeah. But right. I'd actually taken like a half hour out from the worship time to kind of wrestle through and journal a bunch of stuff I was feeling around frustration and self-loathing and discouragement. Uh -huh. And so the fact that I like come in just you know before that and he like called me out, sort of not even like in prophetic ministry time, just when he was like sharing right. an anecdote, he just kind of threw that in there. Yeah. And the promise to renew my marriage, of course, is a. Uh, a big deal and so like and my wife was there sitting next to me when, when this all happened and so like that was pretty powerful yeah yeah did you and, and she talk uh, about it? not very much uh i think i alluded to it when i put when we prayed that evening um yeah. and you know i also shared on sunday night you know the the the, you know, the thing because you know she has commented on my need to fix people before Right. Um, and I said, like, this is the thing that I want to grow in now. And yeah. you know, more importantly, this is the way to, that I need to grow in it is by yeah. really pressing into the father's, uh, this father, deep fatherly acceptance. Yeah. So I think one thing that would be useful for me is, uh, you know, you're like, you're, I think you're right. Like there is this thing that I feel like God is saying to both of us that is this, the sort of the next level of our journey with him that we're uh -huh. stepping into. And I was thinking if we get, so if I can come up with a hashtag that you and I can agree on to refer to it, like, like that gives me an, an anchor point. I mm. feel like, uh, like this is the thing. Um, so I wanted to like take the last few minutes of this call or walk if we could to think about what's a way to, to, to capture that for future reference. Hmm. Um, well, just to get the brainstorm started, the 
and Eldridge uses the terms of union with Christ as being deeper than um, I've forgotten believing in him or whatever. Mm. And that uh, I, I think he describes that as the ultimate uh, best goal is union with Christ. Um, but he also mm-hmm. talks in terms of uh, this is the uh, foundation or root from which supernatural resilience springs when our roots mm. go deep in God's love then uh, mm. the, the t- times of intense heat or drought don't trouble us and we continue to bear the fruit of that relationship mm. Mm. so one, oneness with Christ might be a uh, you know, related somehow. Uh, well, yeah, he, he I mean, goes. He goes from John sorry. 15, abiding in the vine, to then John 17, mm. where as the Father and Jesus are one, so are we to be one uh, with God and with one another. Yeah, I think there's two ideas here. I don't know if we can capture both of them, uh, but yeah. one is that the 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 goal is this sort of deep union, right? Yeah. With Christ, with ourselves, with our spouses, our families, you know, uh-huh. the whole world, uh, you know, with Christ through us. But the one that I think is, is more poignant for me is the, the path to get there. Yeah. Is the sort of deep rootedness uh, and abiding, right? right. That, that vine metaphor. Or, you know, the picture I had was that, like, you know, in times of drought, this is when the, uh, A, that you need deep roots, <laughs> yeah. but also when you grow deep roots, right? Uh-huh. It is precisely uh-huh. the dryness that yeah. uh, forces the tree to put this tap root deeper and deeper. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so I think there's... Um, um, there's something around roots and abiding and grace and uh, connecting um, that um, um, I mean that's not a, it's it's um um the one phrase that comes to mind is deep connecting. Right. Um, Another part of what we talked about was the letting go of fixing and controlling outcomes. Mm. Right. For uh, for me, that's the practical thing: is leaving it in God's hands and leaving the tension in place, rather than. Uh, trying to solve and fix and to, you know control the outcome or in, at least influence it. Yeah, which is interesting because it has sort of uh, I mean, I guess the word acceptance comes to mind, right? It's both knowing that we are accepted as individuals, but also accepting the situation is challenging. It has tension, and just accepting that rather than trying to resolve it or fix it. Yeah, and for me, it's related very much to trusting God um, rather than trusting in my abilities or my, you know, assessment yeah. and whatever. Yeah. 
<laughs> I had a great idea for a phrase that you can't write it down, but it's exceptional, exceptional trust. Uh huh. Right. Exceptional trust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, either an A or an E. Um, um, yeah, the, the, the feeling of, of, um, on the one hand, it's a feeling of sort of transcendence of like, I'm no longer trapped in these roles and responsibilities that make me feel like I have to fix things to maintain my identity. Uh -huh. Sort of an elevation to that. But the other thing is more like this sense of this taproot, you know, pushing through, uh, you know, the, the, actually the picture I have is that there's this uh, layer of stone between the tree and the underground aquifer. Right? Uh -huh. This taproot has to push through that stone um, to go deeper. Yeah. Um, and that the, the, um, and, and the, um, um, and, you know, I think part of that, you know, it gives me the sense of like, rather than complaining how other people are drying me out, uh, -huh. uh I should be, uh, joyful that I uh, am in a context that is enabling me to go deeper. And even motivating. Um, yeah. Yeah. It makes it both necessary and, and, and in some sense even possible <laughs> right. uh, to go deeper. Yeah. Um, it's um, that, um, yeah. I don't know, of all those words and, and images, what's resonated with you most so far? Um, I don't know. It's, uh, it's hard to put, for me to put one word on the, uh, the thing. But, uh, you know, I, I, in the past, I've often centered on the resting and trusting. Um, mm -hmm. And abiding, you know, I focused mm -hmm. on the. Uh, I I have been thinking the last few days that that it appears now to me that there's something deeper about that than uh, the being led by the spirit, which was kind of an earlier focus. I I feel mm -hmm. like I'm, I'm conscious of a shift from a focus on being led to uh, maybe more of this union with Christ mm -hmm. and that uh being led comes out of the union but is not the union itself. Mm, wow. That's good. Uh, uh, so maybe the uh you know uh, uh, to me I I'm not sure I sense the difference between abiding well I, I guess union even is deeper than abiding uh oneness with god or or union with god uh mm -hmm. and with christ with the trinity um you know, i guess i guess i am somewhat persuaded by uh eldridge's presentation that that is the ultimate at least as i now see it 
Yeah, I mean the um, the, the the picture of union. Um, I mean the 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 only caveat I sometimes use is sometimes I talk about communion because there's a very east because I I I'm in a context where there's a very eastern sense of union that people uh-huh. talk about, and sometimes people. Uh, it's so caught up in, in this idea of union and, like, you know, our problem is too much individuality. We need more union. We need more unity. And it's like, uh-huh. you know, that can, that, that you know, it, it, that is, uh, so, so, so I sometimes prefer the word communion, communion, right? It's union yeah. with, not just union right. as. Um, yeah, um, and um, there's also a nice little uh, play on that, which is communion. Right. It's, right. It's, it's, it's coming to him in union. Yeah. And the, 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 and the thing that, the, uh, that I like about that is that it's, it's sort of a um, verb rather than a noun. Uh-huh. Right. It's, um, yeah. you know, you know, um, is that as we come to him, we experience union, not as this sort of um, Eastern annihilation of the self and just being absorbed back into the great cosmic oneness. Right. But as the one who is coming uh-huh. uh, to him yeah. and that as we come to union with Christ, we are also modeling and inviting and inspiring others to come into that uh-huh. union. Which is an interesting way of thinking about marriage because I realize that I tend to um, see the challenge as trying to get my wife to connect with me or me to connect with my wife. Uh-huh. But it, you know, this framing implies that well, actually, the real goal is to come to God in a way that encourages her to come to God in new dimensions and, and experiences. Uh, which yeah. is intrinsically better, right? I mean, this is like something we want to do for everyone in our lives. We want to, sh- you know, uh, help them draw nearer to God. Yeah. And that in that process, it will, you know, if we're all converging on God, we will all get closer to each other. But it's a second order effect rather than primary focus. Yeah. One, uh, Maybe we'll one go other... with hashtag come union. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Uh, not to take away from that, there's just one other phrase that I've appreciated out of Eldridge or one other word is positioning ourselves to receive uh, or to enter this uh, union, communion. Um, that it, it's it's not a pursuit so much as a positioning or I don't know if, if you would that, but uh, positioning ourselves in such a way as to receive, to to allow, to remove what barriers we can, to uh, allow God to remove what barriers he needs to, and to uh, create the space for that to develop. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think both are useful framings in different contexts. Yeah. One is sort of like a passive thing we submit to, whether it's an active thing we pursue. And I I think there is, you know, sometimes there's different seasons where it's one or the other in some way. And there's also probably places where it's like, uh, it it feels like both at the same time, right? Right. Yeah. 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 
we're uh, we're inviting something that we have uh, in the end not, uh, we don't control, but uh, mm-hmm. we uh-huh. believe and trust that God um, desires more than we do, and so uh, we open the door uh, as He's knocking okay. and let come in and fellowship with us. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I think that you know, and um, you know, another way to think about positioning is is putting ourselves in a context where God uh-huh. can do His work, right? Like checking yourself into the hospital. Like yeah. you don't do any of the, uh, yeah, you, know, you don't do any of the work, but you have right. to come <laughs> to the place where the work can yeah. be done. Um, and you know, there is this. Um, I'm also going to use a different word, right? Because the word passivity, um, you know, has a very, you know, passive, you know, it, it is, the word itself is indistinguishable from idleness, uh-huh. right? And yet there is this active submission, which is uh, superficially similar to passivity, uh-huh. but is a... Um, um uh a risky act of vulnerability uh-huh how we come to god yeah which is the opposite of sort of self protective passivity right yeah there is certainly a level of initiative and uh attention that's involved in this and uh yeah. simply being uh you know immersing ourselves in other things to the neglect of god is uh is the opposite of that so. yeah i think so the the word that comes to my mind is receptiveness yeah but it's receptive uh, for rather me, than yeah, the the for me the positioning involves setting aside time and uh, focus mm-hmm. um to receive and uh, of course I've been finding that I've been finished the 30 days of Eldridge's stuff and I've restarted that and I'm going through it again. Mm. And uh and just enjoying it. It's uh it, for me in this stage it's feeling very helpful. Um yeah. and just keep keeping my focus it, 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 I, the man who introduced it to me has uh, long been involved in discipleship in various forms, and uh, I mentioned my observation that I think Eldridge has uh, distilled what I wish was at the core of our discipleship and the first step before we get involved the theory and theology and um, practices. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, always eager to find something that's even better. But at this point, uh, if I were discipling somebody, I think this is a, a starting point. So I'm, I'm also, yeah. I've also been thinking about ha- inviting others to do this with me, and then have a, a Zoom discussion a few times a week or daily or whatever, just to process together. Because I think processing together is richer than. Uh, or add compliments at least the along yeah. private thing. Yeah, no, I think that you know, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think like this was really powerful for you because of where you were at, having gone through all these other modalities. And yeah. it would be fascinating to see what other you know, how 
uh, other people engage with and interact with that. So good luck with that. You wanna, I got that down here, you wanna pray for us? Sure. Father, we thank you that uh, more than we can imagine, you love us and care for us. You know your, our frame, you remember that we're dust. Uh, you invite us into this abiding relationship of uh, being rooted and grounded in your love like a tree beside a stream of water that uh, isn't troubled by uh, hot spells or droughts, um, that you invite us to uh, abide in Jesus as a branch abides in the vine, that you call us to oneness with you as a, uh, you and a trinity are one. And uh, uh, thank you for the, the ways that you're leading and guiding Ernie and me to uh, let go of our compassion to fix others and fix situations and to uh, enabling us, empowering us, equipping us to rest and trust in you and your timing and to allow the tension of unresolved uh, pain and conflict and to uh, work in our relationship with you and work in others in their relationship with you to uh, to give your spirit room to do uh, supernatural things beyond what we might ask or imagine. So we uh, we thank you for your love and uh, look forward to uh, the communion that uh, we can not only enjoy ourselves with you but invite others into. Um, we do pray for uh, our experience of marriage to turn from uh, uh, pain and uh, distance to uh, even better than when we first married and continuing to grow in the direction of the intimacy and love that you desire with us and that you desire us to have uh, with our spouses as one flesh. For the sake of your name and your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much. Do you think this is a safe one to post? Um, on the podcast feed? Yeah, I think so. I, uh, <laughs> I did mention uh, some things that, um, but yeah, I, I think they're all right. So, all right. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, good. All right. All Thanks, right. Robbie. Bless you. God bless uh, you. Bye. bye.